Today on the show, the Chainsaw Nun again? Aliens. That's right. Aliens. Losing a sense of the sacred, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground. Oh yeah, it starts right now. Oh my. Yeah, well, uh, we are the CU Weekly, and it is time for us. We hope you're ready. We're the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 357. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, uh, it's kind of a skeleton crew aboard uh, the Starship Second Prize here, but Father Ryan Humphreys joins us. He's Hi, the pastor. I'm an alien. He, is a, he is an alien <laughs> in a strange land, a sojourner, as it were. He's the pastor of St. Edward the Confessor Catholic Church in Tallulah, Louisiana, which is alien territory for South Louisiana because you're it up really north. It really is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here. Well, nanu, nanu. Yeah. <laughs> in the flesh, as it were. Uh, and actually, uh, Father Ryan, uh, whenever he's not on camera, is just a, a hollow purple tube. Yeah. Not many people know yeah. that. He is, in fact, an alien. From time to yeah. time. Yeah. That's right. Uh, well, let's go up to space, shall we? Uh, to, to Jeff Blackwell, who is readily available and aboard the Jeff Star 1 near-Earth orbit satellite. <laughs> he's our technical director. Hey, Jeff. Evening, Father. I, I can't believe the, the, the Starship second prize. I've not heard of that. Oh, yeah? That's, that's an old joke. I believe it may right. have been a Carol Burnett show type of thing. <laughs> oh. I don't know. <laughs> okay, now and then yeah, rings now, a bell. Yeah, we've just dated ourselves now here. And of course, Ed Ball is running the video. So if you're one of those, we presume you're fortunate uh, people to to watch us on Catholic TV. Uh, if you're watching us in San Antonio, Kathleen Lee is in San Antonio this weekend um, with uh, with folks there. And apparently they receive our video transmission. Mm. So hello to all of you who are watching us in the San Antonio area. And if you're watching us in Detroit or Hawaii on Catholic TV, and of course if you're watching us uh, in uh, in the Diocese of Rockville Center or in the New York and New Jersey area on, uh, on uh, Telecare, we welcome yeah. you as well. And of course Catholic Community Radio if you're listening to us on the radio. That's right. That's SAP a not available. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> SAP, right. we only have the one language. Yeah, um, sorry. Did you see, I don't know if you've seen, Father, that um, that this, the new Star Trek Discovery series, uh, there's a little Easter egg in there. You can actually go into the closed captioning, and lo and behold, some intern somewhere <laughs> has been has been closed captioning the entire show in Klingon. I did Come see on. that. That's yeah. really, really cool wow. kind of yeah. thing. It's, it's a neat Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be the intern, but I mean, somebody's got to do it, I guess, if you're going to do it. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're talking about having a TV show about Lord of the Rings, and I would love it if they would have, like, you know, subtitles in, say, Elvish. Wouldn't oh, that, that would be, be cool. such a neat little kind of goofy thing to do? But I love the idea of doing it in Klingon, although I don't speak a word of it. No, I, I don't. I mean, I, I speak just a few. I speak conversational Klingon. Ah, yes, yeah, so, hmm. you know. Really, yeah, I've got nothing. Kapla. I used to be able to say, where is the bathroom, if I ever find myself on Kronos. I know that Zveen means over, but that's really all I've got. <laughs> and we're Zveen with this. We will talk about aliens a little bit later, but we want to talk. Actually, we rarely we rarely get to do a follow up on Catholic Underground, but we get to do a follow up this week because we talked to you about about Sister Margaret Ann, who is the Miami nun who who was uh, clearing trees right after um, Hurricane Irma. So right. she, the work needed to be done. She grabbed the chainsaw, she knew where it was in the shed, and she just started slicing away at trees uh, to, to kind of help Archbishop Coleman Carroll, uh, uh, Archbishop Carroll High School uh, come back. It's a South Florida um, institution, and mm -hmm. so she was doing her part. So uh, if you remember a couple of episodes ago, she was in full habit, although I don't really know what a half habit would look like, but she was in her habit <laughs> and work gloves. And, and, uh, and so a Miami-Dade police officer took video of this, 
and she became uh, Fox News famous. So she was all over the the news rounds, and I think she was on just about every news outlet. Um, and and so there was a, a the folks at uh, at Due South Brewing said the story really resonated with us. The nun going out. Who else is going to go out and chop down all that debris? We all dealt with that. Uh, Doug Farrell said, "I know I did." And so everybody was thinking, about what, what could we, we're a beer company, what do we do? And he said, everyone kind of got handy for a week or two because they had to do it. But his respect for this nun with a chainsaw was so sincere hmm. that, uh, that they decided to roll up their sleeves and make beer. Yeah. You know, when, sure. you're, when you're a when you're a beer smith, what do you do? You make beer. <laughs> yeah. He says, so we're having fun with it. Uh, but it was a serious event that took place, and she symbolized uh, all of us being brought out of our element to do what had to be done. And it's a very South Florida thing with hurricanes and storms. So we all have to act like her. And so they um, they started the. Um, let's see if I can find the whole name of it here. I think it might just be the nun with a chainsaw. Right. Uh, yeah. um, and so it's like a hoppy IPA style beer with tropical and piney flavors. Mm-hmm. So so does that mean, I don't know if that means that it like, tastes like a taxi cab or something. Well, I, IPAs are a little bit more bitter. Yeah. You know, they have, a, they have a nice bitter aftertaste to them. Generally speaking, this kind of beer is likely to be what's called a session IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you talk about having a little bit of tropical and piney flavors, you're going to have a kind of a, a little bit of almost a sap undertone, but that's good with bitterness. Oh, uh, okay. The same way you that, enjoy like yeah. a pine nut. You know, mm-hmm. it's got a little bit of a sap flavor, but yeah. when you add bitterness to it, like with olive oil, it really comes together. So it's oh, a lovely okay. flavor. I've had some beers like this before. I find an IPA is just a, a little too strong for me because because yeah. because I like the I like that tropical flavor on the front, mm-hmm. and and then you get to the pine, and then there's like this big hook on the end. Yeah, yeah. It, that bitterness is is not something most Americans are into, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's been an interesting thing watching craft IPAs try to get away from the bitterness a little bit. And of course, I'm trying hard not to make a joke about nuns and bitterness and all that kind of stuff but uh but you know it's it's uh it's it makes for a really interesting drink and of course we we went to seminary right down the road from one of the most popular breweries in louisiana at yeah. abita mm-hmm. and so uh so there's a certain affection in my heart for craft made abita uh and craft made breweries that that, that love their local area like like abita breweries where we are made an, an ale specifically for the abbey yeah. and the in the way that monks make ales mm-hmm. and such totally. a neat thing and so i have a real affection in my heart for a beer guy who says you know what? This is amazing. It's local. Yeah. Let's 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 memorialize it, and that's cool. None with a chainsaw. You know, where else that's are you going right. to find that? The the cans are blue. They don't include an image of a nun, but they suggest movie poster thrills with the words "a chainsaw" titled <laughs> across the front in bright red. Uh, I'd I'd pick up that beer. You know, oh, yeah. because I mean I I don't know. I do the same thing with wine bottles, uh, which I don't know if it's if it's a pop if it's a considered gauche to do it or not. Mm-hmm. But if the if the wine bottle is designed nicely or yeah. the or the beer bottle even is designed nicely mm-hmm. i'll go hey you know i might give that a, a shot good marketing jeff mm-hmm. goes a long way oh it absolutely yeah. does sure it's memorable yeah. that way do you have a yeah. favorite beer jeff that that you like to drink well one of the few ipas uh it was actually um uh, produced by uh, abita and uh, it's the Giacomo. Yeah, IPA. it's a very nice IPA. Um, and because I, I, I'm like you, Father Chris, I normally don't care for it too much. Mm-hmm. But uh, this, it, it was nice. It was good and strong. I love the flavor. And um, and it uh, kicked up my gout. So, uh, oh, <laughs> no, you don't need a gout kick because gout in itself is a kick, right? Right in the foot. And I will say <laughs> yeah. the Abita people, they do something really cool over there. They, they actually allow uh, theology on tap. At the, they've got a, like oh, a, yeah. this yeah. Um, nice brutal, facility yeah. Yeah, that, where they invite uh, 
That's right. Catholic so so if uh, if all you folks listening and watching from all over uh, make your way down to Louisiana, uh, we, we don't have the, the chainsaw nun beer. No. Um, at least not that. I don't think you can get it locally in Louisiana. But uh, but we do have uh, a number of microbreweries that are kind of popping up. And Abita yeah. is probably the, the, the granddaddy of them all. Right. But uh, but even in Cajun country, we have a lot of breweries like mm-hmm. Parish Brewing and yeah. things yeah. like that that yeah. are popping up. Well, and, and I'll say, one in Baton Rouge too. Well, Rouge. when Father Chris yeah. and I go on the Camino, you know, we, we yeah. we'll be walking across northern Spain, and basically every little town is its own microbrewery. So wow. every little pub has their own wine, their own house brew of beer, and so I'm really excited about going in and getting a little bit of bread, some ham, some cheese, and whatever local brew they've made. Huh. Um, you know, that, that to me, that's just such a wonderful local thing, and Americans yeah. are finally embracing that. Yeah. Uh, and it makes me very excited that, that these folks have found a way to, to do that in their own community. Uh, but I won't, I won't lie, I'm looking forward to that aspect of our trip very much. Mm. You had me at ham, Father. And <laughs> 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 we're really bred, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing about it, too, is in a sense, beer, um, I mean, because there's a big Catholic history with beer, oh, yeah. In a sense, beer can also represent something of the people who produce it. You right. Know? That's yeah. that's kind of a, a beautiful thing too. I mean, if you think about the the long history of of alcohol production in the monasteries of the church, right. um, you have uh, like chartreuse is is a mm-hmm. liqueur, but it's a good example of we, we the monks have have taken together all of these herbs and natural spices and and things that grow in our locale, and we've put them together in a pleasing way. Right. And then we fermented them, of course. Yeah. And then when it's cold at St. Bruno's Monastery, uh, you know, and you, all you have is a tiny little stove in your, your chamber to keep you warm, you have a little bit of chartreuse of the green, and That's it right. warms you right up. That's right. It warms mm. you on the inside as well it as on the outside. Does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so I guess so we should give our official kind of CU salute to uh, to uh, a, a dis- not a distillery a brewing a brewery that's right yeah a brewery that uh, that has has taken uh, a nun and made her famous but for all the right reasons because she dug in and did what needed to be done um, she said uh, or they said that calling the beer nun with a chainsaw checked a couple of boxes for due south being a name that is both local and unique they said the irreverence doesn't hurt at a brewery. Uh, that put a law enforcement spin on a porter named Calling All Cars, which features the flavors of coffee and donuts. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea of, uh, of Due South Brewery. We might have to, to look them up, uh, yeah. you know. Um, and he says, among other beers, the, ca- the brewery also figure- features a Category 3, 4, and 5 India Pale Ale Series and Mexican Standoff. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Oh. All sorts of kind of funny twists of phrases. And I noticed right. a lot of beers are doing that nowadays. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a thing now. I mean, when I brew my own beer, I, I've started having a little bit of fun. Like, I've, I've gotten where I brew Dunkles and Porters with uh, a little bit of lactose sugar in them. And then I, I'll add a, a shot of espresso to the bottle when I'm Come bottling on. it. Oh. And, and it's amazing how, how something like that that seems gimmicky makes for a really rich and flavorful beer. Now, I can't drink a whole one by myself because no. my beers are at 16% alcohol. But... <laughs> But uh, but I mean it's 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 neat to be able to kind of do something that used to be totally off the table, yeah. And now you know in, in in your own home you say I really want to try some flavor that's weird and neat like cinnamon and chocolate in a beer, yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's it's just an interesting thing, you know. So I mean, it's, it's is fun. is there is there a high price of entry if you're going to brew your brew your own beer? No, I mean you can go on Amazon and you can buy kits for probably twenty five or thirty dollars, mm-hmm. you know, and and you can you can brew a gallon of beer that way. Uh, it 
takes about a month to do the for fermentation. And then after you've bottled, it takes about a month and a half for the carbonation really to come up. It's called conditioning to get where it needs to be. Um, you, it, it's much, much easier to do plastic than glass bottles. I mean, if you really want to get serious, it's a, it's a nightmare. But if you just want to <laughs> brew a gallon or two here, it's pretty easy. Because I noticed you can get the big like plastic barrels yeah. and, and brew it in that. Yeah, MrBeer.com. I don't get any money for them for saying that. <laughs> uh, is, a, is a really great company. I, now, you know, we should say this is not for for teenagers looking no. to bypass, you know, law. This is something that that's a craft kind of artisanal thing. Uh, it's not easy. You can screw no, it up. And yeah. just like with soap, you know, you make your own soap and all of a sudden you put it on your hands. It's burning. It's burning. <laughs> wow. You can screw it up. So you do have to yeah. be a little cautious. It's like you're speaking from experience. Let, let's not talk about it. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I've brewed my own beer and I've made my own wine many times. And it's, it's a fun thing. It's, it's a, if I was really trying to be serious about it, I don't think I would like it very much. But it's a mm. lot of fun just as a thing to do. You Dr. Know, Mike the fun. Dentist says barley wine is the way to go. Well, there's that. I'd like to try mead. I've never oh, yeah. made mead. Mm. Huh. To yeah. mullet yeah, after you've, you've meaded it, <laughs> I guess. I don't know what the... I don't know what the verbiage of to make mead is. <laughs> I can't say that. I, I would like to try making honey mead. Yeah, you know, which is cool. the, with the whole thing. I just don't. Which know how to really, do it. I'm surprised in Louisiana that's not becoming more of a thing. Maybe yeah. it is. I just don't know. I don't really follow the mead scene. Yeah. But uh, but uh, because we have we got bees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Louisiana actually has some really good honey. Uh, yeah, in we fact, do. we have some of our our folks who work with Catholic Radio. Um, certainly, uh, they have bees and so they collect honey and I don't, I don't know how much honey Lewis collects. Lewis is our uh, director of development for Catholic community radio. And I always get a big jar and I'm thinking to myself, what yeah, am I going to do yeah. with this giant jar of honey? Yeah. And it would be cool to be able to well, do something. You know, I wish more, more Catholics would actually go to the trouble of making wine because there is a blessing in the book of blessings for grapes. Yep. Then oh. there's a blessing for mash. And yep. then there's a blessing for the wine itself. And then, of course, if, if a Catholic family said, Father, we want to make the wine for mass, mm -hmm. that's easy to do. You know, it's really? not hard to do. And, and the idea of inviting Father over and you have the blessing at each stage. The stage, yeah. And then wow. being able to offer these bottles and say, here, you know, we made that, yeah. that, that mm. which became the blood of Jesus. And that's to me such a neat thing, and yep. it's not hard. I mean, we, yep. I, my dad and I did it with pickle buckets, right? Uh, you know, back in the day. So I mean, it, it, that may be something that if your family is looking for a way to come together as a family and offer something to the church neat. that's not just an envelope of cash, yeah. although we don't have a problem with an envelope <laughs> of cash. Uh, you know, that's a neat thing to do. And of course, you know, there's nothing that says you. It's, it's breaking bread can be challenging. Making yeah. wine's easy. Yeah. And and that actually, as you remember, Jeff, from your reading, is is the precursor to the offertory part of the Mass. Yes. I mean, that's why we bring that stuff up, is at one yeah. time it was, th this is the work of our hands, mm -hmm. quite literally the yes. work of our hands. We've taken yeah. the things that God has, has made for our use on earth, and we have processed them further, and now we offer them to the priest who offers them up to God on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And so the work of our hands now is transformed. Right into into God's own work, right? And that's, yeah. of course, that's liturgy, right? Yeah. Mm. Oh, oh, we've, we've just done theology. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, much, much like mead, it does sneak up on you. Yeah. So uh, so hopefully uh, maybe you, maybe you have, have gotten into the brewing. Uh, you can let us know. Backchat at catholicunderground.com is the way to do that. But I suppose we should do as we always do at around 15 minutes after the hour and let you know we are the Catholic Underground. dance break <laughs> you're listening to the catholic underground we are online 
almost always at catholicunderground.tv. Uh, I am Father Chris Decker. We've got Jeff Blackwell. We've got Father Ryan Humphreys. Ed Balls in the video cave. And our picks of the week are coming up first. Of course, we were not on last week. Of course, if you're watching the show, uh, you're probably watching it in and out of order, depending on when you're watching it. But sure. uh, but as it turns out, uh, I was I was out at a at a priest function last week. And, uh, and Olivia had to fly up to the Pacific Northwest to, to be with her family. There was like a little mini health emergency thing, and she yeah. had to, to, to surprise babysit. Yeah. Gravity and, Falls. Yeah, yeah basically, she place. went to Gravity <laughs> Falls. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, and, then, and then Kathleen. Kathleen was in San Antonio for, for this gathering of, of young Catholics. Hmm. And so we found ourselves, well, without anybody to do a show. So, uh, so yeah, so as it turns out. So we gave Jeff and Ed the night off. Sure. And said, go be with your families and... And we did. Maybe yeah. have a bottle of something, you know, with yeah. your family. Yeah. It'll be a mitzvah. It'll be a real mitzvah. <laughs> anyway, so we're glad to be back with you. Uh, actually, next week we'll we'll be off the air briefly because I am uh, I'm going to be at the Catholic Radio uh, Convention in Birmingham. So so if you, you can't if you, do Catholic Radio because you're doing Catholic Radio, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah, there it is. So at any rate, all right, aliens. <laughs> Now, now this is one of those things that that whenever whenever priests especially started to talk about it, it was like, okay, all right, no, 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 I I can go this far on the catechism with you, I'll I'll go all the way to mass with you, but okay, aliens, aliens, uh-huh. but you have to admit, now, Jeff, have you thought about life on other planets before? Like, oh, is sure. it possible? Yeah, yeah. we 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 have a a very big God, and I don't know what what he has where. Yeah. All I can know is that uh, here on planet Earth. Or above planet Earth, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I do my best to serve him. So, uh, but yes, I mean, uh, I, I do believe there is the possibility. The possibility. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we thought we'd talk about it a little bit. In fact, it's such a big topic, we may spill into the next category, the next uh, segment on it. We don't know how it's going to go, hmm, okay. but but we thought that that we talk uh, a little bit about the theology of this because sure. there is some, huh? But yeah. maybe we need to talk about the science first, and that's why we brought in our science correspondent, Father Ryan. Hi, I'm a nerd. Yeah, he's been doing calculus all week. Uh, well, actually, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing calculus-based statistics right now. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> At any rate, so so there is so there is science here, um, and there's a way to kind of uh, mathematically look at proving the possibility of existence of right. aliens. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of, of, of unibrow folks over at SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, have yes. been doing the math on this for 30 years, and so. The, the odds that intelligent life exists in such a way that we could detect it, given our current technology and without reference to any religious assumptions mm-hmm. that God created us and only us or anything like that. So like from reason, kind of yeah, reason yeah. for reason's sake. So, yeah. so with, with this series of stipulations, there is an equation that's called the Drake equation. Mm-hmm. And so this is real science. It's real math. The Drake equation takes into account dozens of these kind of possibilities, astronomical measurements and all this kind of stuff, and it gives out a number and and that number which is super confusing basically says how you know how close does an alien intelligent life have to be in order for us in the span of human history to be able to detect it using the technology we have and that's the real question because there could have been an intelligent alien species at Alpha Centauri 10,000 years ago right but Hammurabi simply didn't have a radio antenna no you know so there's not real and if he did he didn't tell us he didn't tell us about it (laughs) so so what we're what we're left with is a number 
measuring in light years the distance away that 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 we would that the, the maximum distance away that an alien species could be that we would detect it over the course of the entire span of human history and that number is 21,000 light years and so that really is an extremely small circle a extremely small sphere in, when you think about the entire universe so the question of whether or not aliens are out there is basically unanswerable the mm -hmm. question of whether or not we're going to detect them in the history of our our human history is it means basically for all the science we're not going to find out we're not going to unless they show up here or we build the you know the the star trek second prize or whatever and we go <laughs> off and do that thing uh -huh. we're not going to encounter them so the science is real simple it's basically they they may be out there they may not we don't have a percentage wise and what we can be pretty sure we're not going to encounter them in the history of our, our planet oh that's kind of depressing it is a little bit but I'm a nerd. That's what we do. We depress I, people. I'm reading a good science fiction series, and they have a, a device called a skip drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the skip drive basically doesn't doesn't you don't move um, through through time, but you move through space. Mm. And so it allows you to move from one place to the next, remaining where you are because it's the universe that moves. Okay. You know, my Hyundai had that, but it was the next option up. And I oh, right. You yeah, didn't it was buy that. Three grand. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want that package. Three grand. That's a steal for a skip drive. <laughs> Man, golly. <laughs> So, so um, I guess really where, where we go in the discussion is talking about can Catholic theology, um, can it encompass this? So right. assuming that, that we, we could detect aliens and, and, and all of that. Sure, that, yeah, that's where the question is. Does, does Catholic theology, does, does, does Christianity have a place for those whom we would determine to be aliens because, well, they're not of the planet Earth? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if I were to answer that question, and again, this is this is something there's only one or two theologians I've ever read who have done any serious work on the topic. But basically, it boils down to this. If there are other species anywhere, intelligent life anywhere, whatever, they follow the same rules because God is faithful to himself uh -huh. and God mm -hmm. cannot change. So let's say God made Martians. Yeah. You know. 100,000 years ago. So mm -hmm. we don't have any, any evidence of them. We don't have any interacting with right. them. But God made Martians. If those Martians did not sin, uh -huh. they never committed original sin, then those Martians would be living in Eden, their version of Eden. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, which, which makes sense. Now, if they were still living in Eden and they didn't die because death had never entered their world, they'd still be here. So clearly uh, those Martians were jerks. And so they, they <laughs> sinned. Something happened. They <laughs> sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And so those Martians, when they committed their original sin, were in the same boat we are. Uh -huh. Either they needed redemption or they were going to go spend it to hell, Martian hell. That's where they are. Uh -huh. That's right. And so if they needed redemption, as, as historically they would have, then we find ourselves in the same boat as those Martians saying God would have had had to extend redemption to them according to some mode yeah probably the same mode he extended to us meaning it's very possible that jesus would have or that god would have taken on the nature mm -hmm. of martians mm -hmm. and redeemed them through that and there's no reason that that god couldn't have then also taken on the nature that we describe as human yeah and when he redeemed us. So that's basically where the theology sits. If there were just the human race or if there are 10,000 races created by God, the same rules have to apply. So yeah. easy peasy. And isn't that fascinating to, to think about it in that sense? Yeah. And of course, this is this is all speculative theology. Sure. And, and one of the beautiful things is that when something is kind of outlandish as talking about aliens, we can do a little bit of ping pong here. You know, yeah. it, re it really is kind of a beautiful thing that we can show uh, how kind of how flexible, if you will, 
right um our ability to do to to can i say do theology right mm. our ability to to um to to think about these things yeah. that can be and that there is a place in the mercy of god for any any sentient form of life right because right. because a sentient form of life that that has a rational soul uh, therefore has the ability to choose choose between good and evil yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. um well, you know what this makes me think of is the patron saint of television is St. Clair. Yes. Mm-hmm. And St. Clair was alive quite a few years before Color TV came out, if I'm not mistaken. She was, in fact. Mm-hmm. Really? I think it's eight, nine hundred years. Mm-hmm. And so, but I find it fascinating that St. Clair is the patron saint of television, you know, because uh, th- there's a sense where there's nothing new under the heavens. Right. And St. Clair had a, had a vision on, on when she was on her sickbed where she wanted to see the mass desperately. And so a window, she saw a, a kind of a video, what we would describe as a video screen next to her bed. And she was able to witness yeah. the, the mass. She was able to watch mass. And, and you say, you know, there's nothing new for God. I mean, yeah. we, t- we didn't think our culture is so different, but there's nothing new for God. You know, no, it really isn't. There's really not, and and that's the way that we can say that that the Lord pretty much knows what He's doing, right? He, yeah. yeah, He He's been here from before the beginning, and and we we have we also have no idea how how His love um, manifests itself right. in other parts of, of the universe. You know, obviously because our God is a creative one, um, He He has created all of these all of these planets and all of these uh, all of these parts of the of the universe that mm-hmm. that we inhabit. And of course, it's also kind of a beautiful thing to think that we may very well be it. Yeah, you know. Well, and we we already know that he's created the entirety of the angels. Yes. For 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 no reason, quote unquote. You know, it's it. We don't have any particular theological reason the angels must exist prior to us. So we know that God created them, and they're fundamentally different from us in every conceivable way. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, and, and since we're alien to them. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? we really are. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it, it would be as if you know suddenly God created a series of ant-sized people and said, "You big human people, take care of the little ones. That's good for you. That'll be good for you. You take care of them." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, there, it does, uh, doesn't but, it? Uh, in fact, uh, the, the one to serve man uh, comes to mind. Remember that one? Oh my goodness! March 1962. It it's was, been a uh, long time, yeah. Jeff. Aliens. I've... I wasn't alive in 1960. That's the one with John Withko. <laughs> no, 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 no. Way no, before John. Anyway, Third Rock from the Sun. To serve man. To it's serve the, man. Okay. Yeah. So that that but that's the premise. Uh, yeah. Oh no, no. Don't give it away. Don't okay. I won't. Yeah, I won't. Yeah. I won't. Yeah, I won't that might that. be one of the only ones I haven't seen. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, you'll, you'll get a charge out of it. Let me tell you. Nice. Yeah. So 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 we must. Will, will we kind of um, kind of show it again, right? So so if there were other intelligent life. Yeah. And it were created in the image and likeness of God, then it has intelligence free and free will. Then it's under the same basic rules that we are. If they didn't sin, they'd still be in alien Eden. Mm-hmm. If they did, they would still need redemption, and God would accomplish that redemption through Jesus in whatever mode is pleasing to God. Yeah. Because Jesus must be, is the Savior. He is the That's Savior. Right. Not yeah. must be, but yeah. he is the he Savior. He is the Savior. Of, of all mankind or... Yes. All was created through him, so at the end of the day, no matter how it plays out, yep. whatever mode is pleasing to God. And, of course, on Alpha Centauri, there could be aliens living in Eden there, and we just don't know about it. That's right. We ain't got nothing. Well, I guess I'll have to get started on that skip drive. Yeah. At any rate, we're going to take a little bit of a break uh, to let our brains cool down, but don't worry. We'll be back. There will be more. We are the Catholic Underground.
A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back to the Catholic Underground. You found us, uh, if you've been listening through the last segment, no, you didn't wander into a Star Trek uh, discussion. No. But it probably felt like it. Because <laughs> it's me, I'm Father Chris Decker, joined by uh, Father Ryan Humphreys, who's in studio today. He's, he, he on the on the Trek scale, he's probably not as high a level 12 geek as I am. But No, uh, I, I'm aware, but that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and awareness is half the battle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he's like a level six. Yeah. Jeff over there. Jeff, where would you put yourself on a scale of uh, of, of one to 12 being uh, 12 being the most Trekkie possible? Oh, heavens. Uh, I, I guess I'm a wannabe, but uh, I'm not I'm not really. So you wouldn't there. you wouldn't put yourself on the scale? Probably not. Oh, oh my. My yeah. goodness. Well. But you know the trouble with trebles, so you know. No, no, yeah. no, no trebles is a music situation. Trebles, trebles, yeah. whatever. <laughs> whatever. The trouble, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trouble with trebles. I, I'm losing is, points by the moment. <laughs> Those creatures. The, tr- yeah, the trouble so, with trebles yeah. is every choir class ever. Well, yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> it's like it's B flat. I mean, come on. That's right. Oh, wait yeah. a minute. I got a rim shot for that. There, we there go. it is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Our picks of the week are coming up, but first, did I, yeah, I introduced Jeff and Ed over there, yeah. Our picks of the week are coming up, but first, we wanted to talk a little bit about, about sacredness, and, uh, and, you know, the, the word sacred has, has been in the news a little bit, you know, um, in fact, um, the Staff General John Kelly was, was talking about, uh, I should say Chief of Staff General John Kelly, was talking about how nothing is sacred anymore, and nothing is sacred is kind of one of those one of those uh, questions, one of those rhetorical questions that we ask all the time, is nothing sacred? And uh, he said, when I was a kid growing up, he said, a lot of things were sacred in our country. Women were sacred, were looked upon with great honor. He says, that's obviously not the case anymore. Life and dignity of life was sacred. That seems to be gone. Religion, that too seems to be gone as well. And so we thought we'd meditate a little bit about, uh, on that word, about what it is to be sacred, and, uh, and, and maybe why it seems like nothing is sacred these yeah. days because because there is there is always a challenge of of that that general malaise that can happen in modernity i mean sure. um, uh, the great southern writer walker percy talked about it quite a bit and and he lived in our own time right mm-hmm. uh, he lived in the last century and and so yeah let's let's uh, let's crack it open a little bit because you got priests here what are you <laughs> doing on a sunday night yeah <laughs> or or on the insomnia hour on your your local catholic <laughs> network right yeah <laughs> So, so yeah. I mean, um, we could we could kind of get caught up in the cynicism of it. But yeah. what is it to be sacred, huh? I think I think perhaps the 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 root, right? We talk about sacred. Um, we can kind of get the sense of of kadesh, mm-hmm. that that Hebrew word of of being of being set apart. We get the word holy from that, right? Of being set apart. So when we're talking about something as being sacred. We're talking about the fact that it is set apart for for this for this purpose, right? And no other purpose, right? That's yeah. what I mean by yeah. sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and the thing that stands out to me about it is, 
when it comes to to setting things apart is that they're set apart by their nature mm-hmm. not by my choice ah, uh, and okay. i think that that's a big part of it um we we've lost touch with what the nature of things are you know and this and this is philosophy people would go back to people like rene descartes or friedrich nietzsche but you know the idea is something by its nature has to be sacred. And of course, that's where, you know, when we take the word sacred itself from sacramentum, and that goes back to the Greek word mysterion, which means mystery. And the idea is this thing by itself cannot be comprehended. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Pope St. John Paul II got into this by saying there's a distinction between thinking of mysteries as problems to be solved, right. questions to be answered, or as mysteries to be contemplated. That's right. And, and I would argue that's where a lot of our drama comes from, because we look at everything through this fake scientific mind of we can understand it all yeah when in fact we can understand very little that's true that's 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 very much the case and if you think about uh, our our experience of well uh, of church right our experience of, of going to church uh, whether or not you're Catholic, uh, those moments where, where where God has impacted you in some way, yeah. um, it may have been an, impo- an emotional impact, it may have been something that just kind of sat on your heart, uh, but at its very nature, the, the fact that the emotion came or the fact that the intuition came uh, is, was mysterious. Yeah. Right? It, it's something that came from outside of myself. I didn't place it there. I didn't, I didn't initiate it other than I just showed up mm-hmm. and something happened. Yeah. And I think you're right. We can tend to look at life like uh, like a murder she wrote. You know, right. who done it? Who done it? And yeah. and so while while that search is good, I think sometimes we just abdicate the contemplation. Right. 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 Yeah. I, th- I think so. Well, you know, one of the things I- I've said a lot, and it always you know gets kind of people wound up, is that our culture is pornographic. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean we feel like we deserve to see everything right you know like I, I i'm offering mass and let's say i decide to uh the music has run out and so i'm going to offer the host and offer the wine at the offertory in silence mm-hmm. rather than saying those prayers out loud mm-hmm. well people come up after mass and they're a little yeah father you didn't say the prayers yeah, out loud mm-hmm. father, why why didn't you want us to hear that i like to hear that and i'm going well that's but it's mysterious well no no i know what it is but i like to hear it mm-hmm. and and you know i certainly don't look at the sweet little lady and say well you love pornography that's not what, <laughs> no, but, no 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 you don't but, say but that. there is this right. sense of we need to see everything yeah. and i think there's a reason that a lot of faithful young catholic families are leaving the church for orthodoxy yeah you know because the the priest the disappears behind the yeah. Yeah, iconostasis. Oh. And I mean, specifically, people come to me and say, you know, I grew up Catholic. I, I loved the Catholic faith, but I'm I'm now uh, in the Greek Catholic Church because I like the fact that the deacon and the priest disappear and they go back there and they pray and then out from that, they come out with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's such an edifying thing to, to be reinforced with mystery yeah. rather than the constant yammering. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that that's an important thing to, to note is whenever our our culture uh, begins to be um, pornographic in the sense of porneia, right? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where where everything everything uh, must be consumed, and I must be able to consume it in a mode that is pleasing and pleasurable to me. Right. right. That's that's kind of what we we mean when we talk about that phrase. Uh, it does. It bleeds its way into everything, everything, yeah. everything. And uh, I remember um, uh, a wise priest once saying that that the job of the priest at the mass is to pull back the veil of the mysteries of God mm-hmm. for just a moment and then to place the veil back. Yeah. Mm. So, so that our experience of, of the Lord in, in the, the motions and the movements of the liturgy 
our experience of the Lord in the proclamation of the gospel and, and hopefully a well-prepared homily and that sort of thing, it lifts the veil enough for our hearts to want. Yeah. To want communion, right? right? And so then whenever we receive Holy Communion, we are experiencing a mysterious consummation of that which our heart is longing for. Hmm. And so it is, it is, a, it is a, a complete fulfillment, but at the same time, it is an invitation to a deeper relationship yeah. with God. And, and so whenever we stop seeking that, we must always begin to seek only to, to have our appetites fulfilled. Yeah. Because, because that, that kind of consumption mentality um, masquerades as fulfillment. Yeah. You we know, you know back back before the 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 codes of canon law were written prior to the 1917 code do you know father that the obligation to attend mass was met if and only if you were in the pews from the time the veil was lifted off the chalice oh, yeah. to the time the veil was put back on the chalice it had nothing to do with receiving holy communion it right. had nothing to do with paying attention but it, you had to be there from the time that the veil was lifted to the time the veil was replaced isn't that something and that was how you fulfilled your obligation from us. You witnessed the mystery, and that was your fulfillment. That's how you keep holy the Lord's day. Hmm. Isn't that something? Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, it too, now that especially uh, you see some younger priests, they have reinstituted using the chalice veil. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a kind of a very beautiful, simple way of, of, uh, of respecting the mysteries. And I think yeah. that's another kind of component to it, is, yeah. is that we... We, we can lose respect for the mystery. And so then we start filling it with other stuff. Yeah. You know, whether, whether it's a, um, we, we have to have this style of music or we have to have these things happen at this right. time. Of course, we're talking about, about the Mass, but this is the same case in parish life. Sure. Um, even in school life, too. You know, yeah. we start replacing all sorts yeah. of things that are part of the mystery of, of, of growing into an adult. Right. And we start kind of... Um, coming at it from the, from off sides with yeah. all these other things. You well, know? you know, Cardinal Seurat has a book called The Power of Silence, which is really amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's it's worth buying. It's worth getting on Blu-ray. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's an incredible book because in the book, Cardinal Seurat is basically, it's a plea for people to realize that silence is necessary for the soul and that when we are not taking enough time for silence with our ears, silence with our eyes, and silence within our hearts, we will feel that silence, yes. as you say, with anything else until we actually reach the point where we're not capable of sitting by ourselves in quiet. Right. And he says that kind of slavery is far more insidious mm -hmm. than any kind of slavery you can imagine when you simply can't be yourself. That's right. <laughs> and isn't it amazing that, that simply sitting with yourself, that's when you have to be most vulnerable to yourself. Right. And certainly most vulnerable to the one who made you. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, look at the panic in the faces of kids when their battery is almost out in the phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that, that's, it's an utterly modern thing. But I mean, I've yeah. been there when yeah. an entire class... Of, of kids on a school field trip, the, all the, they all accidentally left behind their little battery extras, <laughs> and the phones started going out one by one on a field trip. I mean, and it was, I mean, there was, there were, there was, it was like a hostage situation. Well, they, right? were, they were begging us to stop at the gas station so they could all buy the little $15 cheapo oh thing my. because they were so <sighs> desperate. To ha to, because the idea of not having my phone, even with there's a bus full of people to talk to, yeah. was mm -hmm. so critical. That it was unimaginable to go an hour without having that mm -hmm. phone, which has become, you know, a much much worse drug yeah. than than anything else we could, you know. Yeah. Crystal meth is nothing compared to that phone. It's it really true. isn't. 
So Taylor in the chat room has some philosophical questions because she's she's taking philosophy classes. She can't help herself. Yeah. <laughs> so so she says, define nothingness here. Sartre believed that that humans were nothing because humans were always constantly changing and there is never a fixed self, so therefore we are nothing. She says, so if nothing is sacred anymore, does that mean our nothingness is still sacred depending on our definition of sacredness? <laughs> well, thank you for that. She also well, says, I also might be overthinking it because I have too much fun in philosophy class. Well, yeah. Well, well first of all, we should say Sartre is stealing that idea from Anaximenes, a yes. pre-Socratic philosopher. Or actually, I'm lying, from Thales. Yes, Thales. Uh, Thales uh, Everything's fire. Yeah, he, who, who argued that, that you've never step into the same river twice right and so his whole premise was is there anything that's really real if everything's constantly in flux and so when we huh. talk about a thing having a nature we have to realize that folks like Sartre reject outright the possibility of things having a nature we as Catholics of course know that that's not possible because God is God right there is no possibility or potentiality as we say in God and so God is God and so if God is God and God is God he is. then there can't be that then we can't buy into the idea that nothing is right so we have to dismiss Sartre from the beginning because his philosophy only works if God is not God but God is God you remember right, right. So, so, so you have is and is not and he he is that's right so so <laughs> this idea has been floating around for a long time and it's and it, it does not hold water yeah and I think that people are drawn to Sartre especially in in a time where it seems like nothing is sacred yeah because it seems as if everything uh, is kind of listing to to one side towards sinking Right, and we can we can get very much involved, especially with those thinkers who who basically said, "Well, what is life anyway? What does it matter? There's yeah. no exit from any of this." Right. And 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 that that view of reality, first of all, isn't isn't accurate yeah. because because we have being mm -hmm. and we participate in in the one who is the fullness of being. Right, right. And so um, so it's worth looking at that 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 that's actually in a sense that's what sets us apart that's what makes us sacred first of all is we have being that's right we have a nature yeah a, a nature you know yeah so so there you go right there you are you are sacred by the fact that you exist right well I think that that part of of, of also the thing that goes with it with the whole idea of losing sacredness is when we we become so when there's so many voices coming into our head from a thousand different directions and there's yeah. so much noise it becomes possible to believe that there is nothing but flux and when we get into that we find ourselves because we haven't had a chance to look at the stars yeah. or to think yeah. or to be quiet it becomes more and more tempting for me to say you know if all I know is noise right then all I believe that exists is noise. Sort of like if there's a child who knows nothing but a bad parent, an mm -hmm. abusive parent, they believe that there is no such thing as love in the world. Right. It doesn't mean there is no love, but it right. means that they have become so overwhelmed with the failure of that yeah. that they become, and, and that's what happens to us when we don't have silence, we become so overwhelmed with the lack of of mystery, right? With the lack of sacredness, that we start to buy into the lie that it does not exist in mm -hmm. the first place, mm -hmm. or we begin to actually start fabricating it, right? Yeah. We we start not that we fabricate sacredness, but we we fabricate a reason for sacredness not to exist, right? And I think sometimes that can manifest in, and we try to make everything. Um, uh, everything discernible, everything ordinary, with nothing kind of reaching higher. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you know, Father Chris and I went to Wyoming not too long ago, and Father Chris bought a pair of, I'm not lying, farm-to-foot socks. I did. 
You know? And so, I mean, the, the, I think that the whole kind of millennial obsession with artisanal everything, right. even even artisanal beers we talked about earlier, yeah. is that idea that when you become so overwhelmed with fakeness everywhere, yeah. you start having a strong desire to recover that which is real. And, and Cardinal Seurat says in his book, if you want to be good at silence, just start being silent. Yeah. You know, take some time that is completely silent. He said, he said, don't, don't worry about, about a skill set, just yeah. be quiet. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, when it comes to sacredness, if we just take some time to be with our human nature and, and to close out all the other stuff and just be with our human nature, you don't even have to believe in God. You don't have to listen to me. Just block out all the noise. Right. And then sit with yourself and allow your your own nature to speak to you, and you will eventually find sacredness and a hunger for God. That's true. That's right. Because it, yeah. it's built into us. You know, yeah. it's built when you in. turn off the garbage coming in, it's amazing how much you can accomplish. That's right. And yeah. how much we can realize that we ourselves are not garbage. That's right. Right. Because mm. that's what we begin to believe. You yeah, know? we do. And and I I know just um it was I think it was yesterday morning I was getting ready to leave uh, for New Orleans for a Catholic radio um, shindig. And uh, I didn't have I didn't have a podcast on in the morning. I didn't have the television on in the morning, and uh, it was there was a little nip in the air. It was kind of the beginning of chilly because because mm-hmm. I, I didn't have uh, the heater on or anything like that, and uh, I hadn't yet gotten my coffee in the morning, and everything was quiet. Mm-hmm. And it was a strange thing where where the outside was quiet. You know, there were, there weren't cars passing on the road or things like that, yeah. and and my first thought was. You need to put some noise on right away. Right. Wow. And then my very next thought was, wait a minute. <laughs> Isn't this beautiful? Isn't there a beauty in this moment of silence? And oh, so I, yeah. did, I just simply sat there for, for probably a good half hour. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't make it down to the, to the, to the chapel in a sense because I didn't have to. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was simply there. And, and the Lord in his Eucharistic presence, you know, 30 yards away in my chapel, we were, we were in communion there yeah. together. It was really kind of a beautiful thing. And uh, it was a reminder to me that even in in the job that that I as a priest have, we can be so inundated with noise that that we forget to sit in the silence too. Of course, Cardinal Seurat would say that. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Again, kind of like the the uh, the first reading from uh, from the the mass, you know, where the, from the I think it was what was it Micah? Oh gosh, yeah. it was Malachi. It was Malachi. Yeah, I'm was sorry, a tough Malachi. Reading this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he says, "Hey priests, <laughs> hey priests, <laughs> if you if you're not taking the time to do your own priesting well." Then every blessing you try to utter will be a curse that will crush your head. Yeah, wow. basically, it will crush your head. Yes, <laughs> Man. and so it's a reminder that that we priests have to be silent if yeah. we're going to be able to minister to our people. Yeah. And imagine if if you as fathers, uh, I realize you have kids, but 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 if you as fathers found the opportunity, even if it's just for a few moments, to to simply sit in silence, and to be aware, as as Father Ryan says, of your own nature. And to and to allow that to be used, uh, whether whether God immediately uses it or whether you just simply are sitting there in silence, there is great merit to that in what you can offer to your family. Moms, same thing, right? Yeah. Brothers, sisters, dachshunds. Well, you know, one of the the most striking things that Cardinal Sarah wrote in his first book, uh, which is called God or Nothing, is he said when he he was a bishop of a diocese under a communist dictator who had his name on a kill list, which is a fairly yeah. stressful place yes. to be. Yes. Sure. And, and so he would say when he'd had a decision that was particularly challenging, he would literally pick up his breviary and a jacket and go to the woods for three or four days. Right. No, no food, just no water. He would fast mm. and just sit in silence and pray. 
and and that's the most jarring sentence I've ever read in my adult life. When you guys says, "If well, if you want to really be a man, just pick up your coat, go to the woods, and stand there three days, and then you'll know what God wants." And mm-hmm. and you know the idea of you know fathers of of homes, you know mothers of homes, yeah. don't go to Disneyland. Right. You know, go on a camping trip. Right. Yes, it's going to be miserable. Yes, somebody's <laughs> going to get going to get a bug bite on their rear end. Who cares? You know, spend a couple of days where there are no phones and there is no connectivity, and watch your children become real again. Yeah. You know, stop right. being overwhelmed. I mean, you'll, you'll be amazed how fast Frozen is not sung anymore and nobody cares about <laughs> Moana and, and you know, Kubo is no longer in everybody's brain and you just have a moment of... Yeah, authenticity with your family. Reality. Yeah. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Taylor says, and, and then we'll move on to our picks of the week. Taylor says, uh, to sit in silence possesses a high level of vulnerability that is quite scary. Mm. How do you overcome the fear of vulnerability in silence? I think you just sit in silence. Yeah, you be silent. Yeah, I, I mean that's been my experience. Because you're right, you're right, Taylor. It is it is a time of great vulnerability. Yeah, where we do have to sit with our own thoughts. We mm-hmm. have to to figure out how to 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 place those. Before, I mean, from the Christian perspective, right? One yeah. of the things that I do is I take the thoughts that immediately will kind of pop up because that's sure. what happens when you're silent. All of a sudden. All of your concerns of the day, your concerns with yourself, concerns with the stuff you haven't dealt with. Mm -hmm. And what I've begun to do, or really I've been doing for years, is I take those as they come and I simply kind of imagine myself placing them before the altar. Mm -hmm. I place them before God. And and then as you as you as you recognize, okay, this is my this is my issue with with uh, with so and so, with with my dad or my mom or whatever, I take that. I'm placing that before you, Lord, and I'm mm-hmm. offering this this tumultuous bit of my life to you. Yeah, and I'm going to place it there. And so after I kind of go through that, it's amazing how that kind of quiets the heart a little bit. And so then you're actually able to be silent mm-hmm. and and to be able to recognize that yeah, there's noise, there's life going on, but but I don't have to be a slave to all of the stuff that's going on. Right. Doesn't mean I don't have to respond to it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but. But it means that in this moment, I can place it before you, Lord. I can give wow. it to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in a sense, that's what we're doing at Mass, too. Whenever, whenever the priest says, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty mm-hmm. Father. Mm-hmm. Part of the thing that you're laying down is all the noise. <laughs> you're laying down the noise at that moment. All this noise of your life, you're able to lay down at the altar and allow the Lord to speak to you through, are you ready for it? The mystery of the motions of the liturgy. See how it all fits together? Whoa. Look at that. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I don't know about you. Yes. But uh, but I think we should lighten things up and uh, go to that part of the show that we like to call. The CU Pick of the Week. All right. Normally, we got to go around the horn with a whole bunch of people here. But uh, Father Ryan, do you have your pick of the week? Because uh, I, I, I didn't think to see if you did. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I okay. do. Actually, I want to recommend, and I know I, I think I've mentioned at least both of these at oh, some no, point in the last 300 yeah, episodes. Yeah. Um so I, I'm a big fan of self-teaching. I'm a big fan of learning, and I'm a big fan of constantly being being kind of pushing yourself to learn something new. He's a double nerd. Yeah, I mean, like like right now, I'm I'm taking uh, I'm for, I should say I'm not taking classes, but I've got three classes on my TV. I'm watching. He's observing them. One is in is in statistics. One is in discrete mathematics, and one is in big machine data learning in the Python computer language. Mm. Um, he wants and, to be Skynet when he grows up. <laughs> But all three of them are are through two companies. One is lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com, and the other is theteachingcompany.com. Hmm. And both of these companies provide 
super high quality video education. They have these excellent professors mm -hmm. who will teach you whatever it is you want to know. I mean, I learned jazz piano from lynda.com. I took an excellent class on the 80 greatest writers in the history of the English language that was 64 hours long. Um, and, and the teachingcompany.com and lynda.com both uh, are, are amazing. And so anything you're interested in, I mean, whether it's the Persian Empire or whether it's how do you write a, a game in Python. For or, Persians. Yeah, for Persians or in Persian. I mean, if you want to, if, if you just want to be that person who's going to figure out how to put subtitles on on the movies you have it. I mean, anything you want, yeah. uh, these folks have it. I mean, and so it's not that expensive. I mean, lynda.com. Most com, of your libraries actually have a lynda. Yeah. Yes. A subscription. If, if wow. you go to your local public library and ask for Linda, you sign up and you get a free subscription, or you get it very, very cheap. Uh, even if you don't, you you can get it from uh, at about I guess about twenty five dollars a month, maybe thirty bucks a month. Mm -hmm. The teaching company is a little pricier, but there you're getting a course at a time, and so yeah. you're getting what amounts to a college level course, eighteen twenty four hours of classes with a workbook on DVD. Yo, it's incredible. Mm, and so yeah. if, you, if you're somebody who values that idea of constantly being a novice at something, um, these companies are really, really good for you. And uh, I, I've learned a ton, and I'm a big, big believer in it. So lynda.com, theteachingcompany.com, both of them are in the show notes, and man, is it worth your time. So, so and, look into it. And I'd add one to it. Uh, I think it's maybe 99 bucks a year, and I subscribe to them just because I wanted to uh, get a little bit better in After Effects, which is the program that, that I use to do the graphics for uh, the Catholic Underground program. Oh. And uh, the name of that uh, website is Skillshare. Yeah. Dot com. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a little bit more user-generated stuff, but but there's mm -hmm. some really well-done tutorials. I mean, some people just have the gift to teach. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so the, it's a little, the price point's a little cheaper. Maybe you don't have a library that offers Linda or something. So it's 99 bucks a year, and, uh, and that's Skillshare.com. Uh, I'll try to remember to put that. Father Ryan, make a note. Uh, and uh, Jeff, your pick of the week. Yeah, show and tell on the radio here. Oh, uh, yeah, we yes. like that. A yeah. uh, little device here. It plugs into the car. Oh, it looks like yeah, your your yeah yeah your uh, power port in your car. It is a Bluetooth interface for the car stereo. If I was going to say it looks like a phaser. Yeah, it, it does, doesn't it? Like you could, uh, you know. Pew. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's got a place where you plug it into the cigarette lighter, uh, mm -hmm. and then it's got a little um, a little console on the top, about there. a one and a half inch display, uh, and, and and it's it's it's. Well, let me just give you, it's, it's made by Nulexy, okay. in, like Galaxy, but with an N-U at the beginning. Okay. All right. Uh, so you plug it in and you find a, a, a station on your FM dial that's not, that where you don't have a signal. Yeah. And then you just tune you dial it in. this, you know, this device into the FM radio. And then you, you are paired. You're good to go. You got a Bluetooth interface for your phone. Yeah. Or it comes with a little... 3.5 oh. millimeter oh, the cable. Cord. Yeah, oh. yeah. It plugs into the side here or directly to your, uh, you know, iPod. So it or makes phone. it makes your yeah. car that may not have Bluetooth into a Bluetooth device. Yes, that's really kind of interesting. And then it's also got on here. You can't really see it, but it's uh -huh. uh, for uh, an SD card, a little mini SD oh. card. So you just you mean. just you just called up Father Ryan's number at the DMV. <laughs> and uh, let's click, see. click, click. Sixty-two. Oh, oh yeah. And plus, it's got on the where you plug it in. It's got a charger, USB charger. Oh, oh my. 2.1 amp, which is uh, very nice. Uh, that's that's pretty, iPod, iPad yeah. ready. Yeah. iPad ready, exactly. <laughs> you better watch yeah. your 
wallet there, Jeff. He's going to steal yours $18, out your back pocket. $18, though. 18 American dollar? And there then it go. comes with an 18-month warranty, too. Oh, it's so, got a card. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and these people have already... Uh, it comes with the Garth Brooks CD. It comes with his own business card. What's that about? But, I mean, it really is uh, It's a cool little device, easy to set up, and uh, the music sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. My my uh, my pick of the week is uh, is one that, that is probably... Well, I'm just going to say, I enjoyed the Valerian film. Okay? Valerian is actually a comic book from the 70s. It's a French comic book. And uh, they made a film recently. It's about to come out uh, on, on DVD and Blu-ray. And uh, it was made by the same... It was directed by the same author, uh, director that did... Um, the Fifth Element and some of those sci-fi films. So visually, it's stunning. It gets caught up in a little bit of the um, of the of the script work, and you can see why. Because over the course of I don't know tens of years, uh, this is a three-volume set wow. of the Valerian uh, comic book. So all of the different Valerian stories, they've uh, they've put them out into three volumes, and they're not terribly expensive. I mean, the, 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 the suggested retail price is 30 bucks, but they're cheaper than that. You can get them cheaper than that oh. on Amazon and everything. But, uh, but the artwork, what's really kind of cool is that um, not only is the artwork really arresting, uh, it's very, very well done, but also uh, there was a guy by the name of George Lucas who, who was a, a fan of the Valerian comic books. Yes. And so there are some scenes in Star Wars that are ripped directly from these pages. Really? Yeah. So if you want to see some wow. of the things that that folks like like George Lucas and some of the other sci-fi writers and, and uh, film directors were, were looking at the same time. Yeah. This was it. Valerian. Valerian. Um, the complete collection is the name of this three-volume set. And then, of course, uh, the the film was so stunning. I'll also recommend the art of the film Valerian. And then, of course, the film Valerian itself is coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Nice. Again, the film, a little long, gets caught up in places, but it was really a fun watch. So if you just like a movie that you can lose yourself in the universe, it's a good one. Alrighty, we thank those, uh, Jeff, who are our benefactors, those of you who pray for us, those of you who donate to us. We're always grateful for you, aren't we, Jeff? We are. This week, Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. Also, portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. And also by Mystic Monk Coffee. More information at catholicunderground.tv. You got it. If you want the show notes for this episode, if you want to subscribe to our podcast audio, you can go to catholicunderground.com to do that. Our panelist this week has been Father Ryan Humphreys. He's at FR Humphreys on the Twitters. Indeed. Yes, thank you, Father. <laughs> Happy to have been here. Also, we've got uh, Jeff Blackwell. He is our technical director. He's at Jeff Blackwell us on Twitter. Thank you, Jeff. It's a privilege, Father. Yes, yes, it is. Our research assistant and leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes over in California. And uh, our video director has been Ed Ball this episode. And, uh, of course, I believe Kathleen and Olivia will be back very shortly. Um, we'll be off the air next week because I'll be out of town, but then we'll be back in town and we'll be riding into Advent together. You know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic. We hope that we have helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. For Catholic Underground, for Faith Gone Digital, and we'll see you next time.